Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Lily Brash, her story is one of empowerment. She overcomes all barriers and fears. Initially, doctors said she wouldn't survive beyond the age of four. She'd have difficulty with mobility and strength. In eighth grade, she learned that she could lead a normal life. Diagnosis was no longer deemed deadly. Now she's lifting weights and gaining strength and muscle and wants to be a voice for others. Lily, welcome. I saw in your video, your Hebrew name was something Gittel. Oh yeah. Eliana Gittel. Eliana Gittel. Yeah. yeah. That shows how good my Hebrew is. <laughs> yeah, I love that part of the video. I thought it was a cool touch. Eliana and God answered similar to that. So for the first five days, actually, I mean, I guess my parents didn't know, you know, will she survive? It was difficult, but so they davened, everyone davened, you know, my mom who's a convert, she has her Catholic father and mother who were praying also. My dad said, I've been praying. And yeah, and so they named me Eliana because the rabbi at the time who they were close with had suggested it as, you know, God answered, God answered your prayers. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Wow, that's a really deep meaning too. Yeah, I remember learning that as a kid. I thought it was so cool. She was very excited. Yeah. I showed her your video. Thank you for sharing it. Yeah, that was really well done. We really liked how it came out, you know, the emotion. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about like putting that together and what inspired that. What inspired the video? Definitely a team of people, you know. It was me originally feeling sad, feeling upset about my situation currently. I went to my dad. I just said, you know, I wanted to do, I've always wanted to make a, help people make a change in the world, but specifically people dealing with similar issues that I'm dealing with, or even just any type of barrier that's not similar. So I went to him, I said, you know, I've tried on my own. I've posted a few of my own videos. I've posted a few of my own pictures. I even made a big sign that said like, why be different? And I was trying to explain to people why it's important to be different. So I didn't get the response that I exactly wanted. I got a lot of pity, a lot of like, oh, you go girl, all good intention. But I felt as though, it was just kind of a lot of pity and it wasn't going as I wanted to, which is to be strong, to be powerful, to motivate others, to be strong on their own as well. Because I know I'm not the only one suffering. I see my friends, I see everyone else. And I see that we all have our insecurities. So I was trying to be that person that said, kind of like in a nicer way, get over it, you know, find what you do like about yourself and empower it. So I went to my dad because I wasn't getting that message across. And he said to me, okay, let's do it then. Let's do this the right way. My dad's a businessman, so most of my childhood I've been like giving him business plans, like trying to give him ideas, like let's do this. Most of them is like, oh, that's really cool, let's try it. But this one, he was like, let's do that. So we got slowly but surely. I looked online for all these people we needed on our team, and it's just like temporary things. Like we got someone to help with makeup, we got someone to help with clothing, with making the message more powerful. Just all these like, people, like I could have not gotten half the ideas without all these people. Our original idea was to create a video 
where we highlighted my disability in a positive light. So when we think positive, we think color, we think vibrant music, we think smiles, you know, just a lot of fun. So that was our first attempt. We filmed a video on our iPhones actually, firstly, and then it was vibrant. I was working out, I was saying, you could do it, let's do this. It was good, but it didn't turn out as we wanted. So then I looked for a producer who's a great man. We hired him. He's very passionate about the project. And after like maybe like a few months, we all got together and we're like, let's do this. Let's film in different places. We made it a three-day production kind of thing. Let's film you working out. Let's film you studying for school. Um, let's film in downtown Chicago because it's beautiful. So we did that and it ended up being different than our initial goal, which was like vibrant and like happy. But it was more so now powerful, emotional, achieved the, the goal that I wanted, but it was in a different way. And the clothing are just fun, you know, like pinks, blues. So I really, really just had a great time. We've been using that video to show people what our message is, to try and get other people inspired as well. Have you reached out to like Ida and Ari Crown and Solomon Schechter to see if they'd be interested in like showing your video? That's an incredible idea. No, I have not. I have reached out to my teacher from Ari Crown. He survived polio. My father was talking about it earlier. Just an incredible, incredible man. When I was in eighth grade, he was my history teacher and I couldn't go to gym class. I just never, I mean, I was starting to get weaker just because of different changes in my body, but I had to sit down and kind of sit on the side when everyone else went to gym class, mainly because, you know, I was a kid. I was a little insecure about the ways I could do things. I don't want people looking at me. I didn't want to look weak. I didn't want people to know. I tried to hide it so much. So I would talk to teachers privately. I'd be like, I would ask them, you know, I need to sit out of gym. I don't want to go to gym. I don't want them seeing me. So I would sit in a classroom and it was just getting sad, you know, just not people not knowing what I had, why I was struggling. I had really not many people to relate to growing up. But um, this teacher, he pulled up a chair next to me one day and he, he just told me a story. He didn't say like, are you okay? He didn't let me dwell and cry. He told me his story and he has polio. So one of his legs is injured. I don't know the full extent to, to his injuries, but he survived polio. He told me the strength that he gained from his life. He taught me the lessons he learned, some of them. That moment just gave me so much hope and I was able to relate to someone and not just someone, but someone who I looked up to, someone who was older, who knew the extent of physical struggles and how that can affect you in a world and it was great. But now that you speak about showing my video to the other schools I went to, I think that's just a very cool idea. I mean, I think that video can even help, not because it's me, but because of the message, you know, help kids. Because when I was a kid, I was never ever shown something like that in school, especially for someone with a disability. Like it's just, in my experience, unheard of. So I think that if kids could see this video, you know, see someone who does have a disability and they're still you know, trying to make something out of it. I think that could inspire them. I think it can help any child just struggling one day. Oh my gosh, 100%. A lot of my time I was hiding it. No one really, like I walk differently. I get up the ground differently. I fall, I can't get up. I speak even if like sometimes it's weaker, it cracks more. But I just know that if I would have, if people would have known and it's not their fault, I tried my best to hide it. If I could have just had someone to see that, you know, to see someone like me represented, to see someone, you know, just being positive regardless, I would have felt much better about being in school because school was very, very difficult for me, as it is for a lot of kids, like a lot of insecurities, a lot of, a lot of what do I do? Where do I fit in? Do you feel like you have found your place to fit in now? 
I'm finding it, 100% I'm finding it. I'm more confident. I feel better. I'm more confident because I feel better. Can I relate to so many people on a, on a level with the disability that I have? Not yet, because I haven't met anyone with what I have. I think people around me are just becoming more aware because I'm more vocal. I'm more, I need this. Um, things I used to be embarrassed to ask, but um, definitely finding my place, my purpose. I feel like I'm finding really well also. It's not perfect, but with the help of my parents and my, my team now, which you get to be part of, this is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. So do you want to take me back to the beginning? Like, tell me kind of what your childhood was like, what was expected, you know, what did the doctors tell you and kind of how things changed from there? Mm -hmm. My childhood. (laughs) (laughs) I had such, my parents, my family, just such a good supportive family. My mother, especially, well, my dad, especially as well, but my mom, I remember just always, always there as mothers are to help whatever I need with, but specifically eighth grade when I got pretty sick, just much weaker, not because my disease is progressive, thank God it's not, but I gained weight, you know, all the changes girls go through and men go through, but so it affected me in a way where I couldn't get out of bed sometimes, couldn't lift my head sometimes, couldn't swallow food. So we were kind of concerned, my parents, like, listen, we don't know much about this disease. We didn't think it was progressive, but now she's kind of you know, declining a little bit. And this was, yeah, my eighth grade year. So most of that year was spent going to, I, I missed a lot of school. I went to a lot of hospitals. So when I say that, it can sound pretty terrible, pretty sad. But um, no, my, my mom, every time we went to the hospital, we always had to go get food and go shopping. So I don't know, just was never sad. She always made it so happy. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I wanted to be in school, but going to the hospital with my mom, all those times was fun and that was because she she knew how to make it a fun time she knew how to make sure i was feeling good about myself regardless of the hospital wow that's a special mom did she ever seem stressed out rarely i mean if she was stressed out it was because i was running late she'd be like we're running late but even with such a lack of understanding you know i understand better now like you can't be scared in front of your kids like they're gonna I would have been scared because we didn't know. Yeah. They didn't show that. My mom didn't show that. My dad didn't show that. They showed the attitude. We're going to get through this. You're going to be fine. You're strong. Let's go shopping while we're waiting. Let's be happy. Let's have fun. We didn't know anything. Like I could have been really, really sick. But at the time, I mean, I felt weak, but my mind was still strong because of my parents. That's incredible. I mean, I got that vibe immediately from your dad. Yeah. He seems like a real go-getter. That mindset is so, so important. Oh my God. So can you tell me what disease it is that you have? I live with a condition called centronuclear myopathy. So it's a muscle disease. And it just basically means that I can't, I don't have the ability to build muscle mass or muscle strength. That's the general understanding of it. It's similar to muscular dystrophy, but not the same. While muscular dystrophy tends to be progressive, central nuclear myopathy is not progressive and it's much more rare. Eighth grade is when I was diagnosed. Oh, I remember I got a biopsy on my leg and I was like upset about that because it's a scar. But my doctor told me it's just going to be like the size of a rice grain. So, but they diagnosed me. They said I had central nuclear myopathy and they said to me, you know, you can't gain strength. You can't get stronger. All the hard stuff you have to tell when you're diagnosed, but 
that was that for me. Being told at 12, 13 years old, like, there's nothing you can do. About two years ago, I had a flashback of that memory where I said to my doctor, can I start lifting weights? Can I just try? And she said, not like it's useless, but in a nicer way, of course, she said, like, I don't think that's going to help you, which could be scientifically correct. I don't know. But when I had that flashback, I was like, I need to get into the gym and start lifting weights. Someone told me I couldn't. Now I have to try. Started lifting weights. It went from two pounds, like bench press, could barely do two pounds. Now I can probably do 18 pounds, sometimes 20. And for me, that's just for a patient like me. That's cool. Like I can show that to other people struggling with muscle diseases. Like you're not going to do a hundred at first, but let's start at two. Let's go to seven. Let's go to 10. Let's go to 20. Consistency and just having a strong mind. And so I work with a trainer three times a week. Amazing. That is truly incredible. And have you noticed some of those things that you experienced in eighth grade go away? In eighth grade, um, my mind got stronger, but the, the pain of my, my muscles is there. My trainer likes to call it, or my mom also, or anyone who talks about it, more activating the muscles that I've been not using. So like my legs, I, I can walk, but they're very weak. So I compensate with my arms a lot of times. That is amazing. Tony messaged me and said that initially doctors said that you wouldn't survive beyond the age of four. Yeah. So I was born, there was no sign of what was going on until I was born, but my parents were told, you know, she won't make it past three. And even if she does, she's not going to be walking. So that's got to be scary news for my parents, but I just can't imagine where I would be if they believed that, you know, if they just sat around and let that be the answer. No, my dad and my mom, they flew around the world meeting with doctors. You know, this can't be it. This isn't the answer. Like, we're not going to take that. We have so much to thank our parents for, but I don't even know where I would be if they believed it, you know. Your mind is your most powerful tool, and that's what my parents taught me. When I was a kid, my parents would still say, come on, let's walk a little bit. Let's try a little more. And that's probably difficult, you know, when your kid's crying because she's in pain, and you're just like, let's keep trying, let's keep trying. Now, you said that you don't like to be pitied. I would love to dig into that. Like, what would you like people to ask you versus not? Asking me, asking me anything. Do you feel like people are afraid to ask you stuff? Yes, I feel like growing up, it was just kind of like staring at you, like, what's wrong with her? Oh, I feel so bad for her. But yeah, in terms of asking me anything, I mean, I mean, it's a disease, right? And diseases can be scary, but I absolutely love living this way. I mean, I've become accustomed to it. I think my mind has just become so strong and I just want people to see that rather than see, oh, poor girl, what does her future look like? Because I feel like we don't really have the knowledge or the right in the way to determine whose life is sad because I think that's far beyond us. I understand that there's societal expectations and societal norms, but that was taught to us. Yeah, some diseases, you have shorter lifespan, you have a more difficult time, but I just feel like what we have decided that is sad and we pity these people, but we don't. I mean, I'm going to bring God into it because I'm, I have a lot of faith in God, but I don't believe God would have given someone something that is bad, that is to pity. I think that's beyond us to determine whose life is worse than ours. Let's be happy with our lives, encourage others to be happy with theirs, and not put ourselves on pedestals or on the ground. 
That is so powerful. I felt that. Wow. That is some good knowledge right there. How have you developed such a strong mindset? That is so positive. I've been so, so low before mentally. Like in high school, I think I was a good student doing well. And then in high school, my GPA started to drop. I was just not doing well physically, mentally. I was falling all the time in the hallways and people were just like looking at me and I was just embarrassed. I didn't focus much on school the last year. So my GPA got barely, very low. Comes time to college and I really couldn't get in anywhere, you know. That was very, very difficult for me because I kept on blaming like my disease and blaming my life and my life sucks. Theirs don't. It was easier for them. And mentally, I just became very sad. But that's when I started speaking to my brother. Every Shabbat, I would go to him afterwards and I would just talk to him. I would start crying about how stressed I was, how embarrassed I was. I was coming to a point where I was just so embarrassed of everything I was and I just hated it. And I was like, but it's not even my choice. I didn't even choose to do this, so why am I embarrassed? And I started building my relationship with God, but also my relationship with myself. I said, Lily, stop blaming others for the way your mind is perceiving your situation. Start practicing being happy with yourself. It takes practice because just like anything, consistency is very important. Um, it's a practice. Self-love is a practice. It's not a one-time thing. And the most important time is when you're at your lowest, you can still practice it. You can still say, I love myself. I'm not embarrassed of who I am. And you conquer your mind. You don't let your mind control you in that way. I love that. That is really beautiful. How can you make that a daily practice? Personally, what, what I like to do is, and this can't be any single time where I feel like I don't want to do this because I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to see me fail. I don't want them to see me look a certain way. You just have to do it. It's the best one practice. Get out there into the middle of the room. This is my goal. I one day attain. No objects around you. And just fall. Get on the ground. And struggle to get up in front of everyone. Because that, at one point, was one of my biggest fears. My biggest embarrassments. And when I can conquer that, I will feel so strong. I will know that I'm on the right path. On a more simpler term, when you don't want to go on, like I didn't want to, in my graduation, go up the stage because it's too difficult for me. If I would have let myself listen to my mind, I would have not done it. But I got up there. I struggled up the stage. Everyone watched me. Maybe not me, but they saw me struggling, I guess. It was embarrassing, but I conquered my mind and it no longer was. Like, look at that girl. She could barely walk, but she's still walking up the stage in front of all you guys. That's strength. That's not pity. That's not sad. That's what I think people should look at it as. It it's tremendous. But every day it just got easier. And eventually, my surroundings, they were encouraging me. They were inspired by me. And it looks all like, oh, look, everyone looks up to her. Everyone's so happy. Let me tell you, though, in the beginning, when I first went, that was me. Can I ask a really hard question? Are you afraid to die? I've always thought of it this way. Would my fear of dying prevent me from doing something that I want to accomplish? I don't think so. I'm very practical and logical. Whereas then I won't like go into a, a roller coaster. 
because I know my neck will snap. So things like that. But I'm afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die, but I would like to die in a peaceful manner. I hope to. But when it's my time, it's my time. But I try my best to never let fear be the reason I don't do something. Ever. What about relationships with guys? That's, that's interesting you ask. I mean, I've always been interested in guys, always flirting, trying to flirt. In terms of dating, I mean, I'll be honest, it's one of my fears because they look at me, they're interested, but you can't really see my disability at first. So I'm always like, do I tell them? Do I not tell them? And then I'm like, when they ask me out, I'm like, I'm not going to go. Like, I'm too scared. But that's interesting you ask because this year I started forcing myself to go. I will not let the fear stop me from dating. If I like the guy, I'll go on a date and we'll see how it goes. But definitely growing up as a girl who at sometimes wants a relationship, but most of the time is too focused on trying to better myself so that when I have a relationship, it can be very strong. But I have been insecure about that at times and scared to go out and scared to, will he like me, will he not? But I feel like we all feel that. What's your biggest dream? My biggest dream is to disable the word disabled. And I'll tell you why. Because we all have disabilities. It might be difficult for some to come, come, to, come to terms with that. But we all have things we struggle with. Some people, physical, some mental. That does not, a disability does not make a person disabled. I stand by that. I will fight until the world understands that. My mission is to change the world for the better through my words, through my actions, through them seeing what I live through, who I would love to collab with at this point. I would love to make a workout video. Well, first of all, Zion. I'm so happy I get to meet him and I get to work out with him. That was, at one point, one of my biggest dreams that is going to become a reality soon, thanks to Tony and thanks to everyone. And then Dwayne Johnson, Queen The Rock Johnson, he has inspired me my entire life to just Find the strength in your mind. Don't make excuses. Get up and do it. I do know that his message is that you can turn your life around if you have a strong mind. And that is something I stand by. So. Okay, we'll totally tag him in this. And he is hot. <laughs> <laughs> that as well. <laughs> is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? I want to ask how hearing everyone's stories and all these, this cool thing that you guys do and this show how that has positively impacted his life so some of the lessons he learned maybe that's really beautiful it's funny yesterday he was just saying to me because i keep sharing with him how excited i am about all the people that i'm connecting to and how much i am learning from them and he was like well he's like i hope i hope i've got at least another 30 years left i was like do you think people would like be into better call daddy when i'm like 70 <laughs> maybe oh i hope so <laughs> i hope so too <laughs> Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. This is a beautiful interview with Lillian, a very rare flower. Some of what she's revealing is that people that something happens to them, you know, even in the war or they have an accident, okay, where you don't even have to be born with a disability or a problem. They can develop with the 
healthiest of athletes. Remember that Reeves fellow that played Superman, he broke his neck and made a tremendous difference in a lot of people's lives because a lot of it is all in your mind. People are not handicapped or disabled. They have to make the best of the situation that they're in. And I agree with her. Nobody wants to be pity. What we want to do is be able to show that this rare flower is a very beautiful human being. She is doing what she can to be able to show to people how you also can overcome adversity. All of us go through ups and downs in our lives, physical, mental, different relationships that go up and down. And what we have to do is have a strong mind, stay in motion, to stay positive, to stay encouraging people to be able to get through it and to be able to show that they can have a voice no matter what. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 